Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating, so you can feel free to listen and drift off, or drift off and then listen again. Maybe listen to our episodes back to back, until you fall asleep or you relax. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. My name is Marco Timpano and I'm your host. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Khanna. Marco, we received some feedback from one of our listeners who had trouble sleeping and her daughter actually recommended our podcast. So I wanted to take this opportunity to thank Denise from Pembroke for her email to us. And I'd like to also invite any of our other listeners who might have some feedback or suggestions about a topic that we could speak about in this, on this podcast. Feel free to tweet us at Listen and Sleep. Or you could contact us through our website, theinsomniaproject.com. We welcome your feedback and your comments. Of course, we love to hear what you like to listen to our podcast more. We've been discussing that through the different episodes as we hear from people. Nitty, let's talk about the humble apple. Please, let's. My favorite apple is the northern spy apple. It's also called the spy apple or the king apple. And we're very fortunate to live in Canada, which produces fantastic apples. In fact, I believe the Macintosh apple is a Canadian apple. It is, Marco. You're correct. And uh, the northern spy apple, I think, is a apple from upstate New York so it stands to reason that we would have that apple in Ontario would be a commonplace apple I know out west in British Columbia they have fantastic apples as well in the Maritimes great apples I mean I love apples 
I love things that you make with apple from apple cider to apple strudels and I have cousins who have apple orchards in northern Italy and so they're apple people I guess you could say Marco I did not realize that apple orchards I don't know I just never assumed that um, Italy would be a place for apple growing but can you tell me a bit more about um, the apple orchard or anything that you may remember from well, your my, time there? Of course. My, my cousins live in the Alps in Trento. Okay. And there's a particular, particular valley, Val di Non, which is famous in Europe for its apples. And my cousin married a gentleman whose family is apple growers and they have apple hmm. orchards and they have pickers and um, they they are surrounded by the beauty of the Alps and apples so it's very interesting because when I was a child and I first went to see my cousins I saw as we were driving by an orchard glass bottles hanging off branches of apple trees oh. yeah and i couldn't understand what it was and then my uncle told me actually he showed me that what they do is they put these and this was just one particular apple orchard not everyone does this but they put these bottles on the branches where the apples are growing so that the apple will grow into the bottle and so what they do is they will then close off the bottom of the bottle and fill the bottle with alcohol Oh. And so the mystery is you have this bottle with an apple in it, and there's no way that you could put the apple in from the small top, top of the bottle. And so it's this mystery. And uh, it was really, really neat to both see bottles on trees and then to see the product that was made from it. That is um, quite unique, Marco. I um, I enjoy apple picking who doesn't I find that apple picking is almost like a rite of passage here in our Canadian landscape Psyche. sure um, the act of going to a farm mm -hmm. and usually do it with family or friends so it's a very communal activity I love apple picking I love everything about apple picking from you know marching in the crisp autumn air yes. to climbing on the ladders to plucking the apple from the tree and that little bit of resistance you get from the branch as you pull on that apple to the baskets that you put the apples in to seeing all those beautiful round bulbous apples sitting next to each other in the basket to the apple cider that these farms will provide to biting into an apple that you just plucked off a tree to the soreness you feel the next day <laughs> from using your arms in ways that you haven't used in a while you don't think about it as um a strenuous a strenuous activity no. but it is i i also particularly enjoy the apple pie Oh, who doesn't? Some ice cream. Mm. 
You know, have you ever heard of this dessert called the apple snow? No, tell me about this. First of all, did you mention what your favorite apple was? I did not. My favorite apple, Marco, is the gala apple. Oh, tell me about the gala apple. The gala apple is actually, actually, I think it originated in New Zealand, oh, if I'm so, not mistaken. Oh, okay, it's an import. Yes, it's an import, but I believe that there's gala apples that come from Chile, maybe even the United States. Um, but I like it because it's a bit of a milder flavor. It's definitely sweeter as compared to, let's say, a Granny Smith or a Macintosh or a Red Delicious. I find it a lot crunchier to bite into. Um, I prefer it to any of my other apple choices out there. Sure, I love both green and red apples. I can't do the green. Really? No, unless I'm cooking. I find that green apples are a little too sour for my taste. Mm -hmm. um, I do enjoy yellow apples, though. The, are they Fiji oh, apples or uh, Fuji apples? I think that's the um, Asian apple is the... Um, Fuji. Fuji. Fuji, I'm not sure, but I love... Have you ever had the Ambrosia apple? I believe that's an amb apple from British Columbia, because as we said, British Columbia has fantastic apples. The Ambrosia apple is exactly what its name would suggest. Then but, there's uh, the Spartan apple, I think, is from out, uh, out west as well. You mentioned... The apple snow, the snow apple. What was well, this? It's dessert? so interesting because there is a apple varietal from Quebec called the snow apple. Oh, okay. And it's like a, if I'm not mistaken, it's a really old, old apple. Like we're talking hundreds of years old. Have oh, you wow. ever heard of the snow apple? No. It is um, once again one of these apples that grow, grows in colder climates. So Quebec would be the best, you know, one of the best places to have it. And I've had it like a few times and every time I have the snow apple, I think to myself, I love this apple. I once had a purple apple. A purple apple? Yes, I know it sounds bizarre. Was it something wrong with it? We were at a farmer's market in California and all of a sudden I see these really, really dark because you know how the, um, I think it's the delicious apple. Is it the delicious? The one? red delicious. The red delicious can be really dark. Yes. Uh, like like almost a maroon color. Yes. It reminded me of this, but it was purple. It was so dark. It oh, was like wow. the darkest red, almost purple color I've ever seen. So I was like, I need to have this apple. As you can tell, I'm a big fan of apples. And so I okay. bought three of them. Nitty, when I bit into it, it was like biting into a piece of wood. It was very, very woody. Oh. I don't think it was an apple that was meant to be eaten. Eaten. It was more meant to be cooked with. Cooked, maybe? I guess. So it's one of those things that it's kind of like, you know, a really interesting apple. I, I wish I could remember the name of the purple apple, but it was. It was it was an interesting and funny funny experience. But to get to the apple snow, not the snow apple from Quebec, but the apple snow. 
it's a dessert that is from the UK. So you may not have heard of it, although our listeners from the UK might be like, how did you never hear of the apple snow? And uh, essentially what it is, is you cook apples in water, sugar, cinnamon, clove, vanilla. So you already know you're starting off. That sounds great. In a positive way. And then you mix it with egg whites that have been um, beaten. So you mix the cold mixture, so you let you allow it to cool, and you mix it in with egg whites. And so you have this light, fluffy, sweet apple dessert that just melts in your mouth. Wow. Yeah. That sounds... That sounds amazing. You know, Nitty, it's a pretty easy, um, it's a pretty easy dessert to make. At least I I feel it it doesn't involve a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's degree of difficulty, I think, isn't that high. So I will make you an apple snow. I'm not promising to make it, you know, next week, but one day I will make you apple snow. Marco, I would indeed enjoy that, and I'll be happy to tell our listeners the outcome okay. of your apple snow recipe. Snow is an interesting, I, I don't want to say phenomenon, but it's an interesting natural occurring um, process, condition, I guess, condition, sure. sure. Um, as Canadians, uh, we you we're know, surrounded w- by it. We're well accustomed to Absolutely. snow. Do you prefer? See, there's nothing like a soft snowfall. I enjoy a soft snowfall right. because I feel like there's something very magical about it. Sure. But then the skier slash snowboarder in me mm-hmm. loves the compact snow that mm-hmm. you can ski on. Do you have a preference I in do. the type of snow? I do. I like that thick, fluffy, clumpy snow that yeah. comes to the ground, that comes from the sky to the ground. And when it hits your like eyelashes, doesn't melt. It stays yes. there for a little bit. You it's, can make snowballs out of yeah, it. Yeah, it's light and fluffy. And uh, there's just something about as it falls in the night sky. If you haven't experienced that, I can tell you firsthand that it is magical there's something about a light clumpy fluffy snow drifting from the sky mm. a darkened sky onto the ground onto your eyelashes onto your cheeks onto your warm woolen mittens that is like nothing else out there and what i love about snow is that have you ever seen photos, up close photos of snow that shows you that no two snowflakes are the same? Absolutely. I believe they're all six-sided, but it's just interesting to see the various patterns of snow when you look at it up close. It is one of those um, magical things, really, mm-hmm. that makes sure. you think, right? Here's this stuff that came from these fluffy clouds, and not one of them is the same right um 
There's also a calmness about watching snow oh, fall and drift. I agree. When you're warm, of course, but there's something really um, beautiful about it, especially the whiteness of the snow in a dark night. And when the, especially if you can be out in the country mm-hmm. on one of those nights, I find it really as you say, relaxing, calming. I also find, just going back to the country, Mm -hmm. um, the days after there has been a large snowfall, there's this beautiful nighttime quality where you have the stars that are so brilliant in the sky and the reflection of the snow that is so white that provides this glowing atmosphere mm-hmm. um, and there's something that is so serene about it there's nothing like crunching in fresh un, unmarked or unstepped in snow with your boots oh, there's yes. a certain sound and there's a certain feel and I'm certain that we have listeners um, from parts of the world that don't receive snow who've never experienced this sort of you know you can even feel it in your feet as you step on that snow and it makes a certain crunch and then you lift your boot off that snow and your boot will leave a perfect impression in the snow and in fact a lot of boots or a lot of Canadian boots there's many different makers of Canadian boots Sorel is one for example they specifically design the bottom of the boot so that it makes an impression in the snow that you can you can then see it's pretty it's really fascinating um, snow and snow culture and just what snow feels like have you ever been marco snowshoeing because Growing up in Montreal, mm-hmm. we were always so close to the mountains. Right. And so in the winter, we would do school trips mm-hmm. um, up north, and you would do cross country skiing yes. or um, sledding or snowshoeing, for example, mm-hmm. which, again, some of our listeners might not be familiar with. Um, it's an activity that uh, originated with the indigenous population right. of Canada, and you take these. I don't it wanna, almost it, looks wooden like wooden tennis w- rackets, almost webbed, webbed wooden instruments. They don't look like shoes per se. In fact, I think your shoe kind of connects with the yes, snowshoe. Yes, they're la- much larger than yeah. your shoe. I did snowshoe in Quebec Ah. as a child on a field trip so it's funny you should say that Um, and it was you know it's it's a lot of work it is a lot of work it's a lot less work when there's a lot of snow to snowshoe than if you didn't have so I guess we should mention that the point of having the snowshoe is because you on the crunchy snow that Mm -hmm. you were describing earlier so when we walk through that country that crunchy snow without a snowshoe you sink if it's deep snow if it's you, deep in yeah. snow so with a snowshoe you're able to uh, just not sink as much into the snow making it easier 
to walk, especially way back when, when you had to walk through um, plains of snow. You know, it's funny, you, you just reminded me of something. The first time I ever went snowshoeing was in Quebec, and the first time I ever flew a kite, it was in Quebec as really? well. Yes. Now, let me ask you, have you ever flown a kite or ever made a kite? I believe I made a kite in an arts and craft camp okay. when I was a kid. Um, it was either camp or school. I can't remember which okay. one of them. Um, and we did try and fly a kite. However, no, was it a kite-shaped it kite? Was, okay. It was that diamond shape. Mm. Um, however, I don't think I was successful with it. I never find or I've never found that those kite-shaped kites would ever take off or stay up. I always wanted to fly one of those box... Have you ever seen those box-shaped kites? No, tell me about that. They're kind of... They're kind of like two sort of... Oh, I wish I could describe this. It's going to be so, so tricky. But it's like two boxes that are connected with... Um, mm. I want to say like balsam wood and on either end is a I know there's I know that my sister-in-law has probably made these box kites and she'll be like that's not what it's called she, she'll know exactly what I'm what I'm trying to say but it's kind of like two boxes on either end and they're connected with some sort of metal some sort of rod whether it be wooden plastic or metal and it takes flight, and when it's in the air, it's really quite spectacular to see. And uh, I, I believe I flew one once, and it really had pull to it. Like, you could really feel the pull on the other end of the string. But generally speaking, as a child, you would fly those kites that were kind of triangular. Yes. I remember there was one called the bat, or the black bat. I think it was called the black bat. And it was all black, and it had two, I'm going to say, bright orange or bright yellow eyes. And uh, it was meant to, it, to look scary in the, in the sky. But yeah, I remember flying the, the, the black bat kite. That uh, seems like it would be great around Halloween time, or um, if you wanted to have a little bit of a Batman type moment sure. flying a kite. Well, I think it got its name because of the shape of that kite is more of a triangular triangular kind of um, Okay, I see what you're it, saying. It's the one I'm trying to, like, it's not the traditional it's not kite. Diag uh, right. di diamond, diamond shape. shape. I, um... Do you enjoy flying kites? I don't, okay. really. Not a big thing. Uh, you know what? That's actually not an accurate statement. Mm -hmm. I've never really been successful at doing it, but okay. I can't say that I've spent more than maybe one or two times mm -hmm. trying to fly a kite. I never understood the spooling. Because you oh, know how I see. you love yeah. to spool? It's certainly a skill, yeah. I'm, I couldn't tell you because I don't think I'm a good spooler, if I can use that term. But, you know, it's interesting because I find... I see a lot of people flying kites on the beach, and it reminds me of those 
people who sail with the wind, like they they use like a almost like a, a surfboard, but not really. I I don't know if you know I, the term or what it is. I I don't know the term, but when you talked about people on the beach mm-hmm. flying a kite, it made me think about the expression "go fly, fly a kite." Okay. And we spoke, I think, a few episodes ago about expressions. Yes. And I wonder, Marco, how do you feel about that expression, go fly a kite? Maybe we should explain it. That's a great question because for different people, it's going to resonate in different ways. So if you don't like flying a kite and I tell you to go fly a kite, it can be taken in a pejorative way. But if I tell someone who is an avid kite flyer to go fly a kite, it would be like, oh, awesome. You want me to go do something that I enjoy doing. So I think, as they say, perspective is everything, right? It's true. It's very true. So um, I'm not exactly sure the etymology of that that particular um, saying, but I certainly have both heard it and used it if that... uh, if that makes any difference. I agree. I agree. I've, uh, as you say, it is all a matter of perspective. Um, I have not used that expression in a really long time, which makes me think that it has probably been replaced with some other expression to basically say, um, to tell someone to leave a situation because they're being bothersome, which I think is the dictionary definition of what that expression, go fly a kite, means. I can tell you that based on uh, some research that I just did, that um, the phrase, go fly a kite, is um, has to do with the stock market crash. It referred oh. to the useless bits of paper being tossed out the window after the crash so I don't know how accurate that is but certainly something to think about as always we want to thank you for listening as we mentioned before you can always tweet us at listen and sleep the insomnia project is broadcast from Toronto and produced by drumcast productions until the next time